It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast, the final one of 2017. Next Thursday, I will be on the way back from Houston. That is, of course, where Missouri faces Texas in the Texas Bowl, and we're going to Go back in time about five years and catch up with Jeff Ketchum from orangebloods.com to talk about this one. What's up, Ketch? It's good to be back doing Big 12 Missouri-Texas football stuff, even for one bowl game. It feels, uh, I miss you guys. Like, I miss (laughs) the schools that left. It's it's not the same. It isn't. Um, You know, Mizzou's played in a... Uh, enough SEC championships games now that it probably feels like they're SEC brethren, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I miss the yeah. old days of there actually being twelve teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, you, and uh, so you don't get fired up. You don't get fired up about those trips to Morgantown. Oh man, I, it, and the hatred was real. Yes. You know, it goes back to the Southwest Conference Big Big Ten or Big Eight uh, marriage, and uh, yeah, it's not the same. I think. I feel like 25, 30 years from now, we'll look back and I think that era will be remembered quite fondly. Whereas at the end, it's probably like most marriages, right? Right. A lot of it usually ends up being very good, but the end is bad. And it usually takes a while to kind of get over the end. And I think that that's why we'll look back on the old Big 12. I miss it in two big ways. One is during basketball season. And the other one is just travel because travel in the Southeastern Conference from Columbia, Missouri is God awful. But, um... So, like, what was the feeling down there when this matchup was announced? Because I know up here, I mean, it kind of depends on your age. Like, none of these kids have played Texas. Really, frankly, most of them don't even know there is a history of Missouri and Texas. But Barry Odom does, and the older people around here do. What, what was the feeling in Austin about this? I think the feeling was, oh, Texas has a layup in the bowl game. Like, I think really? the first instinct was Missouri's not any good this is going to be an easy win and we don't want to go like that was, there was a multitude of, of emotions. Texas fans aren't real happy with the way that the season ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like this unofficial protest of we're not going to go to the bowl game because this isn't good enough. So there's like an internal battle amongst Texas fans. Um, there are those that are just, they're with Tom Herman ride or die. And I think there's a group of Texas fans that are just tired of, eight straight seasons of unfulfilling football. And it's going to be interesting to watch this game from the Texas perspective, because I think, I think Tom Herman and Texas need this more than Missouri needs it. I don't know that that means they want the game more than Missouri because this, these bowl games tend to come down to which team wants to be there the most. Right. Uh, but Texas can't afford to lose this game because the way the season ended. And I kind of view it as Missouri ended the season so well that you'd hate to lose a bowl game because at the end of such a great run. But, like, that great run doesn't go away, and Texas didn't have a great run at any point this season. So, on paper, I feel like Texas should want to be there more. But, man, there's been so much – uh, unsettledness in the in the Texas locker room this year and the changeover from Herman 
that it's it's hard to tell. That's interesting, and and when I think about it, I totally agree with you. Texas probably needs it more, but like the feeling I get from guys around Missouri, they they've kind of preached this. It was interesting. They came out at one and five and said, "We look at our schedule and we think we can win out." And I'm like, "You guys are idiots, man." I mean, you're one and five, and you're getting destroyed by bad football teams, and then they go do it. But they've they've preached this thing for about three weeks that there's only one team that's ever gone one and five to eight and five, and so. I think it is very important to these guys, even if maybe on the surface it shouldn't be. Meanwhile, I mean, how many Texas guys are showing up for this game? It was a great question. Um, Look, Connor Williams couldn't get out of town fast enough. Uh, And and the thing is, they waited all season to get Connor Williams their best player, uh, a potential NFL first-round draft pick as a left tackle, and maybe the best offensive lineman that Texas has had since Justin Blaylock left after the 2006 season. So he's a critical player that they didn't have for most of this season. He comes back, plays a couple of games, and, I mean, the scoreboard hadn't flipped off yet inside of the stadium coming out of that last game, and and he was announcing that he was going pro, and then you lose to Sean Elliott, and Holton Hill was already out with a suspension. And no matter what Tom Herman says publicly, Malik Jefferson – behind the scenes is not expected to play in this game. Um, On paper, I feel like Missouri is a 10-point winner in this game because they're going to score points. And whereas Texas Texas has been really underrated on defense, if you just ignore the stats and go with the eyeballs, they have stuffed every offense that they've played this year pretty much well below their numbers. They held USC uh, well below their numbers. They did Oklahoma State. They held to 13 points. I mean, everybody, this defense, they, they had really one terrible game on defense. They just didn't show up in the opener against Maryland. But other than that, like, if, if the Texas defense was healthy and everybody hadn't been suspended or turned pro or any of that, then Missouri's not going to score nearly as many points as they've been scoring in this run. Uh, that just Texas has proven, by the way, my mom interrupting the podcast. <laughs> and then when no's not good on the home phone, she calls the cell phone because Understood. that's what moms do. Understood. Uh, this, this game plays like a 20-17 to 17 game. No matter how good the Missouri offense is, Texas has seen good offenses, and they've handled them all season long. Uh, but this isn't the same Texas defense. There's yeah. no Malik Jefferson. There's no Holton Hill. There's no Deshaun Elliott. Uh, those are their three best. That's not the three best players on the defense. Those are the three best players on the team all season long. Wow. Uh, with all due respect to Michael Dixon, who, if you wanted to say as the punter, he's the best player on the team, you could. <laughs> Which um, is like, look, I've covered teams where the punter is the best player, and that's no fun, man. <laughs> well, and he's, he won the Ray Guy Award, and he's legitimately the best punter. He and Shane Leckler are the two best punters my eyes have ever seen. Uh, and Shane Leckler never won anything of substance at Texas A&M, and Michael Dixon will probably turn pro after this season, and he will never have been on a winning team if they don't win this game. Uh, so it just goes to show you how much great punting means in college football. It, they don't always win a lot. Uh, and then weirdly, uh, one of our guys did data on what it means to lose a Ray Guy Award winner, and like 50% of the time the teams make improvement in the win-loss column. So kind of weird stuff. Um, those guys aren't there. 
And this Missouri offense is really good. Like, the one thing Texas fans, I think, have sobered up to is that, uh, oh, crap, this quarterback is really good. And while Texas has seen – I mean, they've seen a ton of great quarterbacks. Right, yeah. Uh, but this guy's up there. And I think he's underrated because his numbers are gaudy. And the run that he's on and the streak of, what is it, like three touchdown passes in a game like and like eight straight 75 weeks, straight games. Yeah. Like, he's hot. They're winning. This is, why, this is why I will pick Missouri to win this game. I think they're better than Texas. I think they're hotter than Texas. They've got better quarterback play than Texas. And Texas, I think their, their puncher's chance in every game they've played this season has been defensively, their, the defense can keep them in any game. Kept them in yeah. USC, kept them in Oklahoma, kept them in Oklahoma State, uh, not so much against TCU. But basically they have kept them in games this season. But, man, Malik Jefferson, Deshaun Elliott, and Holton Hill, taking them off that defense is a massive loss. I think you saw the impact of Holton Hill just by himself in the last game because suddenly they didn't have a lockdown corner. And now the guy, their playmaker at safety is gone. And unless something changes and Malik Jefferson doesn't play, um, that guy's finally been the guy he was recruited to be. And you, you know... Remember when Texas had Derek Johnson, and then he wasn't there anymore, well, and it was like, but they don't force as many turnovers anymore, and yeah. it's not quite you're not quite as afraid to run sideline to sideline because there's not a missile coming at you. Like that's what Malik Jefferson was this season. He was a sideline to sideline missile that cleaned up anything that needed to be cleaned up. With him not there, this just um, this is this is going to be a game where the other parts of the Texas team have to play better to even have a chance because I just don't know how the defense can play at the level that it's been without all of their best players. Quick detour because you mentioned one of my favorite players of all time. Derek, Derek Johnson, is I'm a Chiefs fan, and he is the only guy literally ever in my history of being a Chiefs fan that I said, that's the dude they need to take, and then they took him. And I'm so sad watching Derek Johnson play this year because the dude's just so old. Like – he fell off. The, he was so good for so long, and he fell off a cliff this year. Well, and you know what's interesting about DJ is it felt like, you know, when he first went to the Chiefs, it felt like when they re-signed him that that was the, like, okay, that was a good pick because he's good enough that we're keeping him. It didn't right. feel like he took off and become the Derek Johnson that we'll all remember him for until he hit a few years in. Like, I, it felt like kind of that second contract, yeah. And he, then he got that second contract, and that's usually when guys tail off. And then that's when he became, I think, a great Kansas City Chiefs player. And you're right. Like, man, that dude, old. Man, I saw I mean, that. He, he <laughs> tried to cover Antonio Gates last guy. week, who is also old and was beat by, like, <laughs> six steps. I saw Derek Johnson play football before the current Rivals.com existed. Wow. Man, yeah, speaking of old. World, um, yeah, <laughs> so uh, not kids anymore covering kids covering kids. Now we're old dudes. I mean, I've got a kid in college. I can't call high school kids anymore. <laughs> so, um, so getting back to this game, I mean, you talk all about that offense of Missouri, and it is like I- I'm torn because it's obviously somewhat schedule driven. But when this Missouri offense took off, was they played in Game Six? They played Georgia, and they hung 28 points on Georgia in the first half, which is more than anybody else had scored in a game at that point, and 
Like Georgia's defense is legit. That that is in the discussion, I think, as as one of the three or four best defenses in college football. So to you, does this game come down to in Texas's defense against Missouri's offense, or is it more weakness against weakness where can can Missouri's defense slow down Texas's offense enough to win a 24-21 game? No matter how bad the Missouri defense has been at various points this season, it is not worse than the Texas <laughs> offense. So what has to happen in order for Texas to win this game is the Texas offense for the for, look the offensive line is wretched and and Connor Williams isn't playing mm-hmm. so if you've got average there have been average de- Oklahoma State's defense is average at best uh, yeah all you had to do was watch the Oklahoma game to know that they are lacking in personnel and they dominated Texas up front and that was a game that Texas – two touchdowns and Texas wins, and Texas didn't have two touchdowns in it. Yeah. So you're going you're gonna to watch Missouri play defense against Texas, and you're going to go, where has this been all season? And it's, it's more about the opponent than it will be for Missouri. And what Texas has to prove is that its offensive line can be capable. And then it needs everything else around it to come together in a way – uh, that it just hasn't really at any point this season. And, look, the Texas defense was good enough to allow them to be on the same field uh, as, as a Baker Mayfield or a Mason Rudolph or a Sam Darnold. Um, but it, it took almost Herculean efforts at times for those – because they weren't getting any support at all. Mm-hmm. And I just look at Missouri and I go, look, man, because here's the game that I play with every game Texas ever plays. And I'll ask you the same question. What's the point total that you think has to be scored to win the game? For Missouri? For, for either team. Um, I think probably 27 would win the game. Less than that might, but 27 would win it, I think. And I agree. That's exactly the number that I would hit. And I go into this game thinking Missouri can hit 27 pretty easily. And I think to myself, Jesus Christ, man, Texas (laughs) is going to have to work its ass off to get to 27. I'm going to be in trouble. I used shit in an article and you just said Jesus Christ on my podcast. I'm going to have to figure out how to put that explicit thing on. But uh, last thing, just like, obviously, I don't know. Missouri's going to sell four or 5,000 tickets. I mean, it's obviously going to be like a Texas home game, but Will, will Texas send a lot of people to this game just because, hey, it's close and it's a Texas football game, so I'll go? Or is the fan base kind of like, look, man, 6-6 six and six is in the Texas Bowl is never going to be our goal? Well, if you are the type of person uh, who wouldn't be offended by anything that I've said in this podcast because you're a degenerate gambler and you have okay. other like things that you have to atone for outside of an occasional word <laughs> or something, uh, if, if you're the type – that every little bit of information uh, will help you in some of your other sinful ways. Yes. Don't worry about the crowd. Okay. Okay. <laughs> don't, 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 if you're, if you're trying to like, I need to make up on new year's what I lost on Christmas. Uh, don't worry about the crowd. Like, will, will there be more Texas fans there? Yes. Uh, will there be moments where like they'll stand up on their feet and it might get loud? Maybe. Uh, but this will be a stadium with, I think, large pockets of empty seats. I don't think Texas fans are showing up with uh, zeal. I'm using an old like dishwashing soap right, uh, right. at 
thing, if you can remember that old George Carlin skit. Um, it, there won't be a lot of zeal in the stands. This is a group that's showing up as a fan base that they will show up because they feel obligated. Uh, but nobody's looking forward to this game. Nobody. Uh, and, and, and if Texas doesn't, if the team, if their apathy in any way matches the fan base, Missouri's going to win this game in a route, and it'll be pretty ugly for Texas. All right, so just to wrap up, uh, advice from Jeff Ketchum, so I get this clear, is spend as much as you want on Christmas, and then the strong financial move is to just get all that back by betting on Missouri in the Texas Bowl. Like that, That's what you're advising people to do. I don't want anybody <laughs> on Orange Bloods to hear me say this, but yeah, man, this this is a layup for Missouri in, yeah. in terms of the spread. And I, I don't even know what it, what is it these days. Do you know? I don't know. I, let me look it up right now just for giggles before we end the call. All right. You're right because I don't remember it either. I remember hearing it when it first came out. Yeah, and um, I haven't looked. And I haven't looked, but I, it was – hold on. What are we looking at here? This is great radio. All right, we're in a race to see who can do it first. So. <laughs> I've got links. It just won't show up the way I need it to. Okay, so – Texas is uh, plus three. Okay, I, yeah. I like Missouri to win this game by more than a field goal. I, I'm telling yeah. you. When it came out, I thought it'd be Missouri by about seven, and it wasn't. It should have been. This is not a good Texas foot. This is not. They're, they, they just – here's a stat for you that I don't know. Maybe you've realized and maybe you hadn't. Texas Tech hadn't beaten another Big 12 team this year, not named – Kansas or Baylor until it beat Texas in Austin in what was a critical, critical game, pretty critical game for Tom Herman because they were kind of selling that same thing the Missouri staff has been selling, that we started off slow, but, man, if we can get to 8-5, and five, that's right. a victory. Like, they needed – because that would be the sell. These are, these, this would be two teams trying to get to 8 when it looked like they couldn't get to 8. And when Texas needed to beat an awful Tech team at home – I mean, Tech kind of bodied them up and beat them in a way that Texas fans weren't prepared for, and it's the reason why there's so much apathy for this game. Whereas I think had they won that game, uh, I think Texas fans might be slightly jazzed. But the issue is they couldn't beat a very average to below average Texas Tech team at home, and that wasn't an accident. Tech deserved to win that game. Yeah. All right, Catch. Well, I appreciate it, man. Good to catch up with you. And, uh, hey, even if nobody from Texas shows up, somebody from Orange Bloods is going to be down there. So uh, we'll catch up. And just real quick, it's, uh, this thing I'm looking at, this oddsshark.com, sorry okay. for you non-gambling folks, it has a predicted score on this game of Missouri 35, Texas 27. I feel like in that scene in Major League in the showers afterwards, how in the hell did they ever score? Like, I, don't, I don't know how they get to 27. I can see Missouri at 35. I don't know that Texas can score 27 points in a game. Yeah, I see the over-under at 60-and-a-half. So uh, it's going to take some work by at least one team to get there, no doubt. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Missouri might have to do a yeoman's work to get that number. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Catch. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Happy holidays, man. Talk All to right. You same to you. Jeff Ketchum, orangebloods.com. Those guys do a great job covering Texas. Uh, and, and, look, I love – one of the things I miss about the Big 12 is is all the guys in the Rivals Network. I got to know those guys really well and and uh, good friends of mine. So, appreciate Ketchum taking some time. And there you go, man. Lay it all on Missouri. It's Jeff Ketchum. I don't say that. I don't advise gambling.
We'll turn our attention now to basketball because uh, while the uh, the football team has one game left, the basketball team is about to tip off in what to me is always the the beginning of college basketball season. That is the Bragging Rights game, 7.30, I think, at the Scott Trade Center on Saturday night. I'll figure that out at some point before I leave town. But we're going to talk to Brad Sturdy, covers the Illini for Orange and Blue News. Brad, what's going on, man? Uh, not much, you know, just uh, getting ready for a big game. Obviously, uh, this year it's kind of going to be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, I don't know about you. The last couple years, like, I've gone to this game, and I've just spent, like, three and a half hours being really depressed. Because I always, I always <laughs> really like – and it's not just that Missouri was bad. I mean, Illinois was, yeah, I don't, what, mediocre, I guess. And, I, I mean, yeah. that place was half empty last year. And when you've been to that game and you know what it can be, it really sucks to see it at what it's been. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and I know it's this year they're they're saying it's a sellout, and you know last year was half full. It's just kind of dwindled, uh, you know, just gone down in importance. It seems like over the years, and that, you know, we know what it was like, you know, back in the day when you had, you know, two consistent top twenty-five type programs that are playing in that game, and it's packed, it's sold out, you know, and um, crowds great, and I, I expect a great crowd Saturday, a great event. I mean, just and it'll be an event again and I think that's what's exciting um the two new coaches have really uh you know really uh invigorated their fan bases yeah so what do you make of this Illinois team I mean they start out I don't know six or seven and oh uh you know beat DePaul um beat Wake Forest and that was pretty good but then lost to Northwestern close loss to Maryland uh, uh, lost to UNLV and and a loss to New Mexico State and Chicago so I I guess it's four out of their last six uh where's this team at I mean what's kind of what's the level this team should be at when we get to the end of the regular season? Well, I think they're going to get better. They're young, you know, in every game, you know, two games they lost basically because they couldn't inbound the ball at the end of a game. Um, They've lost games. They found a way to lose all, all their games. They've been in, you know, they've been, you know, basically, you know, possession games down the stretch and their young guys just haven't, you know, they haven't found a go-to guy. They haven't found the young guys, the ability to, to make plays, um, whether it be on offense, defense, grabbing a rebound, whatever. Um, and their veteran guys just haven't played very well in those games. Um, you know, Laurent Black had a really nice game last game, but he also had two fouls in three minutes in the first half, so he didn't play. And when they got behind, and that, well, then they battled back, and then at the end of the game, they just you know couldn't find a way to to hold on for the win against uh, New Mexico State. So, you know, Michael Finke just hasn't made shots. You know, and that's something you know last year he shot you know forty five percent from three in Big Ten play. So there's a guy who's supposed to make shots, and I think he's in their losses this year. He's three for sixteen. So you're not going to win games if those guys don't step up, and if you're you don't find that one of their young player, young talented players to kind of be a go-to guy to, to make those decisions to the end of a game. And that's where Illinois is right now. They've, you know, if you take out the last four minutes, they're pretty good, but the last four minutes have not been pretty in uh, any of their games. You may have just answered my next question. I was going to ask you, who's their go-to guy. I mean, do they have one? I mean, he, it's probably LeRon Black. I mean, just because of his, you know, he's been, he's a leading scorer, but at the same time, you know, he's not a he's not one of those guys who creates. A, you know, he basically has to get the ball in the right position to make a play from there. Um, you know, as far Spinky's a spot up shooter who can. You know, he's had some good games, but most of them against weaker competition. But you know, he still he, he gets the same shots. He just miss, has missed them against the the better teams. Um, there have been Mark Smith looked great against DePaul. Um, then uh, you know, Tijon Lucas, you know against Northwestern, and then it was Trent Frazier, you know, the other night against New Mexico State. So they've had some games, and then against Maryland, Mark Allstork had a great, you know, game. So they, they've, it's just been very – there's just no consistency. Like, you don't know what to expect. Um, 
you know, and they don't have a lot of front court depth. I know that's a, that's obviously a concern with Pinky and Black and Nichols really are the only guys who have seen much time in the front court. And um, then you've got, you know, the, the two freshmen off the, or the, you know, kind of the deep subs, you know, Greg Eboig Badin is very athletic, but he's very raw, um, you know, on offense. So they don't have much front court depth. We've got some backcourt depth, so they've been able to rotate those guys. The one guy who's been consistent is Aaron Jordan, but he's a spot-up shooter. You know, I mean, he's a three-point shooter, and he's been great, but, you know, he's not a guy you can really, you know, get the ball to at the end of a game and say, hey, go make a play. You know, he's right. just not that kind of player. The uh, the one guy that, that I want to ask you about that Missouri fans obviously know because, uh, honestly, to this point, He's the only guy we know Conzo Martin really wanted that he didn't get is Mark Smith. Uh, how's, how's Smith's freshman year going in Champaign? It's been up and down. I mean, you know, like I say, he was great against DePaul early on. I mean, he was the big, you know, he's a key player in that game. But then there have been other games lately where he just kind of disappeared. He's he's not shot the ball well at all. Um, shooting, you know, uh, take out the UNLV game where he hit a hit some threes. He's I, I think he's shooting under like 17% from three-point range, which – if you, in, in, I'm sure you saw him play in high school, and I, I know that he made shots. And so this year he's really struggling with making shots. Um, you know, he gets the basket still, but, you know, he's had trouble finishing, you know, just a different level of uh, rim protection at college level. So he's got to make that adjustment as a freshman. But he gets to the line pretty well, and that's kind of been his the, the thing he's done the best, has been able to get to the basket. And, he, uh, you know, all, all freshmen struggle defensively early on, you know, with figuring out the uh, rotations and things. But he's gotten better there. So, um, you know, I think for him it's just going to be that, you know, Kenny, he's got to find that consistency because one game he looks great, the next game he struggles, and you keep thinking, oh, that's going to be the one that puts him over the hump. But, um, you know, probably his best basketball is going to be, you know, next year and down the road. But right now he's just trying to, you know, just kind of battle through and um, hopefully he can find consistency because Illinois really needs him. We we know there is always some back and forth between the fan bases and the opposing teams in this game. Um, I always – I like it because it's – like, it's a rivalry on that night, but I don't feel like Missouri-Illinois is like a year-round rivalry where you watch the other team and go, God, I hate them. I hope they lose. It's not Missouri-Kansas. You know, it's not it's not a Big Ten rivalry for Illinois, but on that night, it's big. So there's two guys that are going to get the bulk of the, uh, you know, the the – I guess, flack from the Illinois side. And, and I'm going to start with Conzo Martin. Um, I, look, I don't I, I don't know if I know and I don't know if you know where Illinois was on if it, how much they pursued Conzo in the offseason at all. So first off, what's your intel on that? And second, you know, is he going to hear it uh, basically tip to buzzer from Illinois fans? Um, you know, I think a little bit, but it's more just because the rivalry. I know Illinois did, you know, they did make some, you know, you know, whatever you want to say, second hand, third, you know, third party type contact with uh, with Conzo. I don't, I don't, they didn't, they never got to the point where they were like, you know, going to hire him. I think um, I don't think there's an offer, but he was definitely on the on the list. Obviously, he, you know, he chose Missouri, and um, that, that was a, I think it's a great fit for him. You know, just being a St. Louis guy and having those connections. So I think it's a good fit for him, but, uh, and I think Illinois fans, I think they're just a little bit, you know, you know how it is. It's fandom. It's going to be fun, but I don't think they look at him as being like, you know, the, this evil guy. I mean, this mm-hmm. isn't, um, 
You know, he, he's not that kind of guy. I, I don't think right. they look at him that way. So, but I think, yeah, definitely early on they'll be on him. I think he's one guy that they, you know, they at that night they're going to hate. I don't think they, that you know, they they're not going to lose any sleep the rest of the year. But for one night a year, there's going to be a there's going to be some booze and some uh, and some. Hopefully, he won't get a Quinn Snyder treatment with right. popcorn on his head. Well, so, I mean, that came know. from Missouri fans, so you know, true, true, that's true. <laughs> so okay, so the guy that. I'm pretty confident we'll get booed every time he touches the ball is Jeremiah yeah. Tillman. Um, so I guess just as basic as it can be, what's the level of, I don't know, angst, dislike, um, irritation from Illinois fans with Jeremiah Tillman, especially because he's far better than I thought he was going to be this year. Yeah, I think that, I think that makes it worse. The fact that he actually, you know, when he stays out of foul trouble, he's really good. Uh, he um, is, he's been really good. Like, there have been times um, this year I've said, guys, we got to talk about if Jeremiah Tillman's on this team next year. Yeah. He's yeah, that and good. And then, you know, you know, and then you have times when he's in foul trouble and then he's not yes. on the floor, and obviously that hurts Missouri a lot. But, uh, yeah, he's been better than I think most people expect. I think most Illinois fans expect it. And, you know, I've seen the, the message board posts and the Twitter feeds where they're saying, you know, you know, that's the guy we needed. You know, that was the guy. You know, now we need, you know, you look at the lack of front court depth and um, when Finky or Black struggle or they're in foul trouble, then you think, oh, there's Tillman. We would have had Tillman. And, you know, so I think that, yeah, there's going to be a lot of animosity towards him for the for the two or three years or, you know, or one, depending on how things go. Mm-hmm. He's in college. I think that um, there's going to be a lot of animosity. They're always going to be what if, you know, or, you know, Illinois fans wanting him. So I guess that's maybe that's a um, uh I guess that's a, a, a compliment, you know, the fact right. that they don't like him because they want him, you know. So, uh, so that's a that's one way to look at. It. But yeah, there'll be. I think every time he touches the ball, especially the first half, you know, he's going to get booed, and, and and you know, it'll be and definitely when these announced, um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of about half the arena will be booing and the other half will be cheering. So um, that that's what makes it fun, though. Absolutely. So. I look. I don't know what a line is on this game. I'm not sure one's out yet. College basketball. They they tend to to put him out much closer to tip off. I, I mean, what do you expect out of this? I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to come down the wire. I, you know, the one thing that I, we've seen out of Illinois is they have a hard time closing games, and I think that's going to be Missouri an issue again. struggled a little bit doing it too, but they won one against Stephen F. Austin this week by a point. So, Yeah, and I think that gives them a little confidence. I mean, you know, so when I'm doing my preview, like, as we speak, and – you know, I, I'm probably looking at a close game where, where Missouri pulls it out um, at the end. Um, it wouldn't shock me either way. I think it's going to be one of those – it's one of those games that, you know, it's it, maybe it's not a 50-50, but it's a 55-45. So, I mean, you, you, you obviously Illinois could win the game. Um, I think that, you know, if things go well, they have a chance. Um, if things don't go well, then, you know, you probably – you know, Missouri's going to win. So, I think that, you know, if – and another thing, you know, you look at Tillman, you know, when he's on the floor, obviously Missouri's a lot better. So if he stays out of foul trouble, that changes things a little bit. So um, it, there are a lot of lot of little factors. I think it's going to be one of those games that comes down to the last four minutes and, and the team that's able to make those plays, make the big shots, is going to pull it out. Um, just from and, – and I'm probably biased in a, in a negative way because I've watched Illinois, you know, blow these four out of their last six games so down the stretch. So I'm expecting that to happen until it doesn't happen. Yeah. So that's kind of what I uh, expect to play out on Saturday night. All right, last thing for you, Brad. Uh, look, I pushed for Missouri to try to hire Brad Underwood twice here. I think he's a heck of a coach. Um, I, I assume that it's a pretty universal, popular hire in Champaign. And, and uh, going forward, this I think this program is, is certainly on the right trajectory. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, they have – 
they have they won't they won't lose anybody except Mark Allstork, who's the fifth year kid. Everybody else will be back next year, and they obviously have a five star kid from Chicago, Io Desumu, who's coming in. So yeah, he's good. They're, they're pretty excited. About, yeah, he's good, and <laughs> so they're pretty excited about their uh, their future. Um, you know, fans are pretty excited about Underwood. Obviously, they you know it's been four years they haven't been in an NCAA tournament, and I know Missouri fans feel the pain. You know, they yes. understand, but. But I think uh, Illinois fans, you know, they they uh, they feel like this is kind of that building year. They'd like to see them, you know, find a way to win some of these close games, and then build into next year. But I think next year's the year they feel like they you know, they're going to be back being an NCAA uh, tournament team. Um, hopefully, not on the bubble either. Kind of getting in there pretty easy, and so that that's kind of the Illinois fans' hope. Um, and I think they feel pretty good about Underwood going forward, and and feel like he's a really good coach. And you know, obviously his uh, his coaching record is is top notch. So hopefully, um, you know, for the sake of uh, uh, the uh, orange and blue, he can uh, you know keep that going at, at Illinois. All right. Well, Brad, look forward to it. Uh, we'll see you on Saturday night, and we can both play the I hope I got one of the floor seats lottery. Yes, exactly. It's never never you never know, do you? Never do, man. Find out when we walk up. So we'll see you Saturday night. Thanks, Brad. Hey, thanks, Gabe. Appreciate it. Brad Sturdy, orangeandbluenews.com, covers Illinois basketball. Um, does, a, does a good job over there. That's our rival site, so they do a great job covering the basketball team. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to kind of wrap up with this. I mean, I have made no secret. When it matters, this is my favorite sporting event of the year. It's, it's just not like anything else you see. It is a big rivalry between two good teams in a place where – half the arena goes nuts on every single play. It, it is, if you haven't been, or if you've been, but you've been like in the last four years where it's it's not been a fun game to go to, I hope you got one of the 23,000 tickets for Saturday night because it is it is truly one of the more unique experiences you can have as a, as a sports fan in this area. I, I think Missouri should win this game. I think Missouri should win its bowl game against Texas next week. Um, if so, it will certainly be... Uh, Good bookends to Christmas for Mizzou fans. Um, we'll see how they go, but I think Missouri's the better team in both of them. So next week, won't be here. I will be back on my way back from Houston. So no podcast next Thursday. Uh, thanks for listening all year, and we will be back in 2018.